All right, the name of this video is, If Christ Be Not Risen. This is a quotation taken from the New Testament in the Bible, where the Apostle Paul at 1 Corinthians 15, 14, says this, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. In 1 Corinthians 15, 14, and a different version of the Bible, says, And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. What this is basically saying is that if Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, then the religion based on him and the faith is also in vain. So I want to take a look at this subject of if Jesus was raised from the dead. If Christ be not risen. Now in part one of this multi-part series, I showed the basic foundations of Western religion to be the age-old conflict between the sun as the light of the world. Of course the sun is the light of the world. And the light of the world, God's son, had an evil counterpart. He was referred to in the Bible as the Prince of Darkness. You simply put the letter D in front of the word evil. It becomes devil. So the concept which is the laying the foundation for Christianity and Judaism, both the Old and the New Testament, and the very conceptual ideas which lay the foundation for ancient Western religion is basically boils down to one idea, a war between light and darkness. Ancient man in the prehistoric world realized that during this day, the warmth of sun gave life and, and light and protection, and he could see and operate, but at night, the predator animals came out, it was cold and fearful at night. So the ancient peoples realized the greatest enemy to the human race was darkness. So there's always been this war between the light and the dark, between daylight and nighttime. On the one hand you see the sun, on the other hand the moon representing the night. This is the foundation for Western religion. The war, which is a 24-hour war in heaven between God's Son, the light of the world, and the Prince of Darkness. And in Egypt, the Prince of Darkness was called Set, S-E-T, which even today we say it gets dark at sunset. So, the idea being is that there's a war going on in heaven, as it has always gone on in heaven for as long as man has been on the earth, they realize that there's a heavenly war, a conflict going on between God's Son and the Prince of Darkness. This is why Jesus is referred to as God's Son, the light of the world, and his battle which is a continual battle with evil, which is the prince of darkness. The idea based, the fundamental principle 
and Christianity is the war in heaven between light and darkness. On the one hand, God's Son, the light of the world, represents symbolically as a metaphor intellectual spiritual freedom of thought, intellectual spiritual enlightenment based on intellect, based on study, based on the ability for the human, the human being to use their minds to educate themselves, to enlighten themselves, and to become a better human before their Creator. So Jesus represents God's Son, the light of the world, which represents spiritual and intellectual enlightenment, as opposed to the Prince of Darkness, which is ignorance, ill-informed, criminality, stupidity, and human imperfections. So there's a war going on in heaven continually before light and darkness. You'll see it, the concept even better when you understand that one half of the earth, as we said, is in light, always at war with the Prince of Darkness, symbolically speaking. Then in part one of this multi-part series, I also showed that the most ancient symbol of the sun, that symbol is referred to as the petroglyph sun. These ancient sun symbols are dated back as far back as eight to 12,000 years ago. Here is a classic example of an old ancient sun symbol. It's an equal arm cross within a circle. Very simple. This one we refer to as the wheel cross or the sun cross. Keeping in mind that these are very ancient symbols for the sun. Here in Sweden we have a 12,000 year old Swedish rock painting with a sun cross. Here is another example of the old petroglyph sun. Petroglyph circle cross sun cross. The ancient peoples, the prehistoric peoples of the world, seemingly all drew and painted pictures for the sun as an equal arm cross within the circle of the sun. And we see how the whole world still uses the ancient petroglyph sun symbol to this very day. The French use it on their military caps. The Queen Mom uses it on her medals. The kings and rulers and emperors of Europe always showed that they were ruling by divine right. The rulers of Europe and the kings and rulers and potentates and popes and clergy have a divine right to rule based on the right that was given to them by God's Son, the light of the world. And to explain to you where their right to rule you comes from, they show you the old, ancient, 12,000-year-old symbol for the sun, the S-U-N. Not Jesus, the sun. We even have in Catholic publications God the Father, who is ruling with the old petroglyph sun, which is a symbol for his S-O-N. These are sun symbols. 
Even today, the European Union uses the old petroglyph sun. The Ku Klux Klan uses it. The old Celtic Druids of Europe. All over Europe, the old Celtic or Celtic Druids use the old petroglyph, ancient, prehistoric symbol for the cross. And, of course, the Christian Church has always used the same ancient sun symbol to represent Jesus. He's referred to as God's Son, as the light of the world. Well, of course, the sun is the light of the world. Here's a symbol for Jesus. Here's a symbol for the old 12,000-year-old petroglyph sun. Put them together and you will see that Jesus is being represented correctly as God's Son, S-U-N. Here we have the priest, <clears throat> both in Eastern and Western religion, and Christianity, the Orthodox religion. Uh, you will see the priest wearing the old petroglyph sun, the priest of the sun, sun worship. Here on the left you will see in the Catholic Church, the priest is raising the host, which is a ritual showing that the sun is rising. Therefore, the sun is our risen Savior. And the sun in the church is rising toward the great sun in heaven. God's sun is in heaven, the old petroglyph cross. And of course, the sun is in heaven. So if you think when you die, you're going to go to heaven with God's sun, you had better go back and define your terms because you don't you do not understand the symbolism in Christianity it is a ancient petroglyph sun symbol now on the right hand side you will see young Christians today all around North America and probably in Europe too something called see you at the pole in September of each year young people get together in schools and colleges and universities and high schools, uh, Christians do, this is a Christian celebration, and they get into a circle around the sun cross that represents their Savior, God's Son. And so it's a celebration to show that they're Christians who are following the sun, which all the Christian churches around the world use the old ancient petroglyph sun symbol. Churches everywhere use the petroglyph sun to explain to you here is a Catholic on Ash Wednesday on the right you get the petroglyph sun cross on your forehead when you take communion in the Catholic Church it's the old sun disk here in the Vatican you will see a beautiful uh, carving and uh, this sculpture is an incredibly beautiful uh, sculpture in the Vatican. And on the right-hand side, you will see Blessed Virgin, which Mary, the Blessed Virgin, is, of course, holding her son. Look at it closely. This is in the Vatican. Mary is actually a virgin. This is why God's Son is born of a virgin, because one of the constellations of the zodiac is Virgo the Virgin. Virgo the Virgin.
So God's son she's holding represents the son in Virgo, the virgin. Keep in mind, this is in the Vatican. Also in the Vatican, you will see a statue of Mary with the baby Jesus, who is trying to show you that he represents the Son. Then the older Jesus, he's still showing you, he represents the Son, S-U-N. We also saw that sun worship was not confined to Christians, but Jews also have their sun god, called Yahweh or Jehovah. Always you will see the four letters in the Hebrew alphabet for God's name. It's called the Tetragrammaton. And every time and in every, every instance you ever see the name of God, the four Hebrew letters in Tetragrammaton, which is the name of God. Every time you will ever see it, it is always within a sun. And on the right you will see a picture of sun worship at the Jerusalem temple. Always Tetragrammaton, God's name in Hebrew is with the sun, within the sun. Here's Moses praying to God's son. And here's the Son God for Christians to pray to Jesus. God's Son behind his head shows you a Son God. We know that Buddha, like Jesus, was also pictured as a Son God. Buddha, the wise Buddha, pictured with the halo of the sun around him as Jesus on the right with the halo of sun around him. On the left, Buddha is attending to a sick person in bed, and on the right, Jesus being God's son, also attending to a sick person in bed. The ideas are the same. And last, we found that the Hindu god Krishna was one of the ancient models used for Jesus. Very important. We find that the Hindu god Krishna was one of the ancient models used for Jesus. So we see the links between the Christos, or Krishna, and Latin, the Christ. Christ, Krishna, Christos, goes back to Lord Krishna, or the Christ one. And the Hindu pantheon, let's go back and remember that, Krishna, Christos, Christ. And the Hindu pantheon, by Sir Edward Moore. There's a whole article here about the crucified Krishna. Krishna was crucified in space with the solar radiance above him. The article says Krishna, the Christ of ancient India, who was crucified about 3000 BC, was the prototype for the crucified Jesus. Down on the bottom it says, only after the Council of Constantinople was a sacrificial human victim with the head of Apollonius of Tyana put on the cross in place of the lamb that used to represent the crucified Christ. What this is saying is that before the Council of Constantinople, there was no human or Jesus, man, hanging on a cross in Christianity nowhere. It was only after the Roman Council of Constantinople 
that it was decided by the church fathers they needed to put a human on the cross. This is history. And that human was, was patterned after Apollonius of Tyana. So it's not Jesus on the Christian cross, it's Apollonius of Tyana. But the whole idea of putting a human on the cross comes from Krishna, the Christ of ancient India, who was, Christ, who was crucified 3000 BC, was the prototype of Christ Jesus. Here we have in the book, the Hindu pantheon, talking about the crucified Krishna. You can get this book in the library, and there are many other books, reference books, talking about the same thing. But you see, Krishna is Christ crucified in space. Krishna looks an awful lot like Christ, because Christ, Christos, Christ, Krishna, it's all the same story. So, we see Christianity today as a retelling of the greatest story ever told. The Bible is referred to as the greatest story ever told. Of course it's the greatest story ever told. It's just a story. It's an encoded symbolic metaphor for the war between God's Son and the evil prince of darkness. And as I said, in the ancient Egypt, the prince of darkness was called Set, because it got dark, it's sunset. So that's the greatest story ever told, is the war between light and darkness in the human mind. So we are left with the fact that modern-day Christianity is an encoded metaphor for the symbolic attributes of the sun. Truly the Son is our risen Savior, the light of the world. Of course the Son is your risen Savior. It does that every morning about 5 o'clock. It rises. And it is your Savior. If you don't think so, wait till it don't come up. So the whole idea of modern Christianity is an encoded symbolic metaphor for the Son who brings light and life and warmth into the human world. The ancients every morning would pray and thank God for sending his son, our risen Savior. This is a very ancient and old religion. Basically, we call it sun worship. And as I said, Jesus is now referred to as God's son, S-O-N, but in fact, it is S-U-N. Here in the Catholic Church, we have children being taught that this is a symbol for Jesus, God's Son, the light of the world. Of course, the Son is the light of the world. Here's the Pope leading over a billion Catholics in sun worship. You do not see a man hanging on the cross. You see correctly, it's the sun. The sun has always been the central symbol for Christianity throughout the world. Sun worship, the sun. 
and it would follow that God's Son dies on the cross, as you can see. It's interesting that on December 22nd, the beginning of the winter solstice, on December 22nd, 23rd, 24th, those three days the sun comes to a dead stop in the southern hemisphere next to a star constellation called the Southern Cross. And so for, here is a Southern Cross, and so for three days, December 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, the sun which was moving southward each day finally stops on December 22nd at its lowest point in the southern sky connected directly to the Southern Cross. And so the ancient people said that anything that had been moving one degree each day southward and finally comes to rest for three days, then it was dead for three days. And then on December 25th, the sun begins to move one degree northward, which begins its annual journey back to the northern hemisphere. Therefore, the sun, which was dead in its tracks, dead for three days, December 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, now moves one degree northward on December 25th, and we celebrate the resurrection of God's Son. Very simple concept. On the right, on the left, you will see a circle which represents the Sun. The cross in the middle, and on the right, the Sun on the cross. This is why churches all over the world always show the sun on the cross. The Southern Cross constellation, when the sun dies on December 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, and on the 25th, is born again. When it begins to move for the first time after three days of death, begins to move northward. So, correctly, the sun is on the cross. The Pope represents sun worship. Everywhere you see the cross in jewelry, in buildings, you will always see a circle on the cross. The circle is the sun dying on the cross, the southern cross or the cross of the zodiac. Here children, innocent children are taught to get on their knees and pray to the sun. God's Son, the light of the world. That same great sun god who, gave, who gives the Pope and the princes of Europe, the kings and the rulers, their divine right of kings. What a shame. What a shame that people, kings and rulers and popes and clergy rule over mankind saying that they have a divine right coming from God's Son, when nothing more than sun worship. Now that brings up the question, who owns the sun? Well, the Russians don't own it, and we know the Chinese don't own it, and even the Americans would like to think they own it, like they would own their whole world, but even the Americans don't own the sun. Then who owns the sun? Well, obviously, the sun belongs to God. 
That's why it's called God's Son. He's the light of the world. So God owns the Son. And God's Son, in the ancient language, was Iusus, I-E-O-U-S, or I-E-S-U-S. And we know that I's are interchangeable with J's, so Iusus, I-E-S-U-S, for the Son, in the ancient language, is translated, I's and J's are interchangeable, so we change the I to J, and it becomes Jesus, or Jesus. Jesus is God's Son, the light of the world. So you always see Jesus in relation to the risen Son. So, this is why I'm saying that Christian churches are actually engaging in sun worship. It is here that I want to digress for a moment and bring in the Christian celebration of Easter. We know that the sun affects the earth and that four times a year because of the position of the earth in relation to the sun we have something, a phenomena we call seasons. We start with spring, summer, autumn, winter. So we have four seasons, each one is three months long, spring, summer, fall, and winter. The four seasons of the sun. So we have calendars for our seasons, and the first season is spring. So spring is a season. It's, a, it's actually called the spring equinox. When the sun comes back to the northern hemisphere, because as you remember, it was dead in winter. But when the sun comes back to the northern hemisphere, all of life springs back to life. Everything springs back to life. In spring, winter in the northern hemisphere, as you know, can become very, very cold and freezing. Very, very unhospitable to human life in the ancient world. So winter in the northern hemisphere, we say the sun is dead and gone. As far as we're concerned, he's gone south for the winter. But, not to worry, he promised that he would be resurrected and would return again to save us from freezing to death. So as promised, he, God's Son, S-U-N, does return to us. He springs back to life when he crosses or passes over the equator, bringing us spring. Christians call the celebration Easter while Jews call it the Passover. Why? Because the sun, which was dead in winter, became alive again on December 25th and began to move northward. Uh, uh, every year begins to move northward, so we celebrate the sun is risen on December 25th, Christ's Mass, and so we see that the sun is moving northward one degree starting in December 25th and ultimately it crosses over the equator coming back to the northern hemisphere. And as I said, we call this Easter or spring. The Jews say 
that the sun has crossed over or passes over the equator. They call it the Passover. This is why you always see the sun in the back when it says he is risen. Of course the sun is risen in spring. He is risen. That's why the flowers come out. Everything is fresh in the northern hemisphere and we celebrate the apostolic spring season. He is the sun and he is springing back. We call it spring season. He is risen. The sun on the cross. He promised he would return. And every spring God's son does return. We call it Easter. Since God's Son is the light of the world and our seasons are caused by the four positions of the Son, this is why Jesus is symbolically God's Son and that's why we can say that Jesus is the reason for the season. Of course, Christians sing about the birth of the King. You will see the arrow points to the King in heaven. The Son so Jesus is the reason for the season. Of course the sun is the reason for the season. Here we have the Last Supper, which is a painting uh, of the Last Supper with Jesus in the middle and his 12 apostles. This is as I said, Jesus represents the sun and the 12 apostles like the 12 brothers of Joseph the twelve tribes of Israel, the twelve uh, stones on the breastplate of the high priest, look up in the Bible index and see how many places in the Old and New Testament the, the letter 12, the number 12 is used. It's used all through the Bible because the Bible, both Old and New Testament, is based on astral theology or God's Son in relation to his chosen twelve which is the 12 signs of the zodiac or the 12 months of the year. And here you will see God's Son in the middle. He is the reason for the season. Because the Son you will see in the middle and the apostles are grouped in four groups of threes for a very good reason. And to Jesus' right, the first apostle you will see is a female. It's a woman. So one of the twelve apostles, or twelve tribes of Israel, or the twelve brothers of Joseph, or the twelve in the Bible, one of the twelve was a female. Why? It's because the apostles represent each month. There were twelve months of the year, and each month has a zodiological sign. So there were twelve signs of the zodiac in relation to God's Son. And one of the signs of the zodiac is called Virgo, Virgo the Virgin. God's son is born of a virgin. That's why to his right you will see a woman, Virgo the virgin. The others are spring, summer, autumn, winter. This is why you have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Spring, summer, autumn, winter. The four Gospels tell the story of God's son. For more proof that Easter and the Passover are just an ancient celebration of the resurrection and the return of the sun to the northern hemisphere, 
we need not look any further than just simple greeting cards. Go to any good store during these holidays and you will see greeting cards telling you that it's a beautiful time of year. It's called the Easter season. The season is called Easter. Season Easter. Season Easter. Season to season. Year to year. Easter comes. Easter is a beautiful season for celebrating the Savior of the world. Of course the Son is the Savior of the world. Like I said, if it doesn't come up, we're dead. So we're talking about the Savior being God's Son brings us Easter, which is a beautiful season. Easter season, season Easter, season's Easter, beautiful season, Easter season. We're talking about spring. Here in the Catholic Church, you will see on Easter Sunday, and this is why the first day of the week in Western civilization is called Sunday, uh, the feast, the Catholic Church goes on to explain, the feast of Easter. This is the Catholic Church explaining Easter. The feast of Easter is celebrated on the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox as the natural world bursts forth in the bright light of spring. Catholics celebrate the risen Christos, the risen Krishna, or the risen Christ, who brings them new life. So it's not the celebration of a man who died, it's the first Sunday after the first full moon, after the spring equinox. They call it the light of spring. That's what the celebration of Easter is all about. So have a beautiful springtime. You'll see the sun that was dead on the cross has come back to us. Christian, Christian stores begin having spring sales. Spring is always associated with the sun. Spring day. Spring time. Spring after spring. Spring, 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 spring. Each bright new spring reminds us that he, God's Son, the light of the world, is risen. Spring, 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 spring. So I said, as I said, Easter is a celebrating of the resurrection or the return of our Savior, the Son. Easter brings us hope that life can always start anew. Easter is the glorious sign that God is with us still. Of course, in springtime, spring and Easter, Easter, spring, Easter, spring, spring, Easter, Easter, spring, you see it everywhere on greeting cards. Easter represents a season to call the spring season. This is why welcome Easter, welcoming spring. Spring and Easter, Easter and spring. Celebrating the beauty of springtime. So, continually we see 
this spring is so inspiring. So I think it is finally clear that Easter is spring. And spring is one of our seasons. Therefore, the sun, which you will see in the background, the sun is risen. And as we said before, the sun is obviously the reason for the season. Here are greeting cards with all three, in case you don't get it. With the season, which is Easter, and spring. A beautiful season. Easter, spring. Easter is springtime, a season of beauty. Easter, spring, season. Easter, spring, season. And lastly, we have an ad in a magazine that says Passover, Easter, or Beltane. Beltane was the celebration of Easter or Passover for the Celtic Druids of Europe. So this advertisement is for the rites of spring. And it says Passover, Easter, Beltane, no matter what you celebrate, April is the time for rejoicing. It's just spring. So let's see what the Christians think of this idea of Jordan Maxwell that Jesus is God's son, S-U-N. All over the web, there's all kinds of comments about Jordan Maxwell. Jordan Maxwell, one one great theologian of the 10th century wrote this. Jordan Maxwell picks and chooses his words distinctly from different, distinctly different linguistic families, perverts and contorts them to support ridiculous claims. He says that Jesus is the Son of God. No, I never said that. Christianity teaches that Jesus is the Son of God. So let's go back. This is wrong. He says Jesus is the Son of God. No, the church says Jesus is the Son of God. Then he goes on to say, thus he is the Son, S-U-N. Now that's what I said. And that, Christian, uh, that Christians are worshiping the Son, S-U-N. So he goes on to say, so yes, I do believe that Jordan Maxwell has no credibility. Here's another quote, still playing with that God's son equals God's son. On PDF page 66, we hear the same old stuff from Jordan Maxwell, the same old stuff. Jesus is the son, S-U-N, the S-U-N of God, which is essentially, this great theologian wrote, which is essentially suggesting that the S-U-N of God and the S-O-N of God have a connection. When outside of some Indo-European language, it doesn't. Here's another great theological thinker of the 12th century who says, if there's anyone that's a bigger liar in comparative religions than Aktara S, it's Jordan Maxwell, who spells my name wrong, it's J-O-R-D-A-N, if there's anyone that's a bigger liar in comparative religion than Arctura Yates, it's Jordan Maxwell who blatantly lies 
about things such as he does God's Son, S-U-N, equals God's Son, S-O-N. Obviously a blatant lie, a notorious liar, Jordan Maxwell. Another great theological thinker said, the Son, S-U-N, and S-O-N in those languages are not synonyms. They're not synonymous. They don't mean the same thing at all. Jordan Maxwell is making all of this up as a liar. So Jordan Maxwell has no credibility because of the stupid stuff about God's Son being the Son, S-U-N. They are two different words that have no connections at all. The two words are not synonyms. They're not synonymous. And Christians have never and would never make those connections, ever. So, he says Jesus is God's Son, which is a S-U-N, and that, and that Christians are worshiping the Son. So yes, I do believe Jordan Maxwell has no credibility, because the Son and Son in those languages are not synonyms. Oh, really? Well, if the S-U-N and S-O-N are two different words and are not synonymous, and I need to un you need to understand, I have never talked about the two words. I'm talking about the concept, the conceptual idea of the light of the world representing spiritual and intellectual light as opposed to the prince of darkness. It just so happens that we have conveniently in the English S-U-N and S-O-N, but I don't care about how it's spelled. I'm talking about the concept. The idea that Jesus is referred to symbolically as the sun in the sky. Well, if the sun and sun are two different words and are not synonymous, this is what the great theological, theological thinkers of the 10th century are saying, then explain this. If you're in the dark, follow the sun. Here, the sun's up. Soaking in on Sunday, soaking on Sunday, soak up the sun, fun in the sun, S-O-N, at the beach with sunglasses, fun in the sun, they're not synonymous, join us for a bit of sun worship this summer, they're not synonymous, the sun did rise. Sun Rise Church, S-U-N. No, S-O-N. No, it's see the sun, it's S-U-N. No, it's actually S-O-N. No, actually it's S-U-N, but here it's S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N, S-U-N, S-O-N. Remember, the two words are not synonymous. Here we have S-U-N, S-O-N, S-U-N, S-O-N. Rising sun, church, sunrise. Sunrise, S-U-N. No, it's the risen S-O-N. 
So son and son and those language are not synonyms. They're not synonymous. Oh, really? Well, again, we have S-U-N and S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N. They're not synonymous. Sunrise, S-U-N. No, it's S-O-N, rise. You'll see the sun rise. No, it's S-U-N. No, it's S-O-N. No, it's S-U-N. Actually, it's S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N. They're not synonymous. Somebody better wake up. S-U-N, S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N. S-U-N, S-O-N. S-U-N. S-O-N. I have hundreds of more pictures to show you. The church switches S-O-N and S-U-N. But they will continue to tell you that the sun and sun in those languages are not synonyms. Who are they trying to fool? Let's go back to Easter for a moment where we are where we will see the sun coming up behind the trees and you will see this is a celebration of Easter sun s-o-n sunrise no it's actually s-u-n sunrise service actually it's s-o-n no it's s-u-n no it's actually s-o-n no, it's S-U-N. S-O-N. No, 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 the two are not synonymous at all. So we have S-O-N and S-U-N. S-O-N, S-U-N. Going back to this one, it says in the lower right, a unique sacred gathering abandoning all to worship a holy God. The sun. 
S-O-N. No, S-U-N. S-O-N. S-U-N. S-O-N. S-U-N. S-O-N. S-U-N. S-O-N. Sunrise. S-U-N, Easter sunrise. No, it's S-O-N, rise for Easter. Sun, sun. Here are aboard the ships in the, in the Arabian Sea, the military. Has their military people worshiping the sun at the sunrise ceremony? No, it's actually the sun, S-O-N. Here it is in sunrise service. Everyone greeting the coming of God's Son, the light of the world. Here's the sunrise service. No, it's actually called S-U-N rise. No, it's S-O-N. No, on the bottom left you'll see a sunrise Easter service. S-U-N. But here they're waiting for S-O-N. Here we have worshipers who are greeting the sun. It's called sunrise service, S-U-N. No, it's S-O-N. Actually, it's S-U-N. No, they call it S-O-N. No, it's actually S-U-N. No, it's actually S-O-N. No, it's actually S-U-N. Experience the sun. This Easter, S-O-N. No, it's S-U-N. S-O-N. S-U-N. And the sun and the sun in those languages are not synonyms. Oh, really? They're not synonyms? Somebody better explain to Christians what's really going on here and has been going on for almost 2,000 years. The world has been led to worship God's Son, S-U-N, calling it S-O-N. It's sunrise service. The ancients used to go out and on their knees with their hands folded and singing praises to the Lord Krishna, or Christos, or Christ. And on the top you will see the ancients welcoming God's Son and the Easter sunrise celebration. On the bottom you will still see the pagans today waiting for the sun to rise for the same old ancient sun worship. The more we change, the more we stay the same. Here in a Christian publication that says Christians rise on Easter to hail their risen Lord. That's right, the Christians are rising to accept and hail their risen Lord. And what do you see if it's not the Son, S-U-N, their risen Lord? Here you see the Son, the round yellow Sun on the cross, as I said. We call it S-U-N, Sunrise Service, on Easter Sunday. Christians go out and wait for the sun. We call it sun worship. 
They call it Easter. Sunrise service, the worship of the sun. Last but not least, in a very important part of ancient sun worship around the world, was and still is symbolized by. This is very, very important point, and I want to make it again, and I wish that you would listen closely. Very important. Last but not least is a very important part of ancient sun worship around the world. Was and still is symbolized, ancient sun worship was and is symbolized by opening the arms, the outstretched arms to greet the sun. This is the way all ancient cultures of the world from all over the earth have always participated in the worship of the sun with outstretched arms. We call it sun worship. Outstretched arms toward the sun welcoming God's sun, the light of the world. Here you will see an ancient carving picture of the king on the right with his arms raised and he is showing praise to the God Son or the Son of God which is the King and you'll see surrounded by the sun rays or the crown of thorns when the sun dies with the crown of thorns the crown of thorns are also just the sun rays the crown of thorns and you'll see the Sun King is mounted on the lion, which is one of the constellations of the zodiac, Leo the lion. Disney calls him the Lion King. The Lion King movie was nothing more than the same old ancient, ancient prehistoric, 12,000 year old worship of the sun. The Lion King. Yes, the sun and the constellation of Leo the lion. But you will see the king is raising his arms to praise God's son. <clears throat> and then below you will see in Egypt, this is a way to show worshippers raising of the hands. Here in the old petroglyph paintings, as we talked about, eight to ten thousand years old, you will see the uh, picture on the right hand side in the middle right the sun. At the very top you will see a carving or a painting of a man with his hands raised, obviously praising. And of course in the middle you will see a painting with the man's arms raised. These are like eight to ten thousand years old. Sun worship. Here in the open hands in the ancient world, it says the open hand reaching up the open hand is a universal solar symbol as seen in this African depiction with the sun. So this is an open-handed, open hand is the universal solar symbol with the sun. So the ancient and prehistoric peoples always represented in their carvings and in their paintings sun worship with the humans with their hands raised praising the sun. Now this is important that you remember this. This is at least eight to ten, twelve thousand years old worship of the sun.
Here again is an old petroglyph carving and a painting of man celebrating the sun with his hands raised in Arizona praising the sun. So the point is that I wish to make is this. Ancient pagan sun worship was always symbolized by the raising of the hands while praising the sun. I'm trying to make the point so that you will remember raising of the hands as an ancient prehistoric universal solar symbol of the worship of the sun. The ancient Hindus thousands of years ago and still do today the same thing. The article says the morning scene on the river Ganges in Benares showing the manner of worshiping the sun with raised hands. Read that again. A morning scene of the river Ganges showing the manner of worshiping the sun with raised hands. So you see the Hindus worshiping the sun coming up in the morning. You will see Hindus in, it says at the top, as in Egypt. Of course, Egyptians did the same thing. So the article says, as in Egypt, on the banks of the river Ganges in India is generally offered with hands raised and palms facing the rising sun. So the point I wish to make is that all of the ancient cultures of the world worship the sun with raised hands. You will see pictures and paintings. On the left, top left, you will see the sun and the worshipers with their hands raised. Here we have Krishna, the Christos, the Christ one, with hands raised in India. The Aztecs in Central and South America the South American peoples. You'll see within the two yellow circles the priest of the sun and they're wearing sun helmets while the king in the middle is looking up into heaven with his hands reaching up into heaven. The king is adoration and worshiping the sun. This is called sun worship. Get it? The reason I'm making these points is because we have Native Americans worshiping the sun. We have in Egypt, as I said, the symbol in Egypt for worship was the raising of the hands. Whether you're on your knees or standing, it was always the hands were raised to worship the sun, which you'll see Horus, the sun god on the left, and the Pharaoh was raising his hands in worship of the sun god raised hands worshiping the sun. Now why is this important? Well first of all <clears throat> you'll see raised hands worshiping the Egyptian sun god. So why is this important is because this is the way the ancient peoples always worship the sun, S-U-N, with their hands raised. So it is to be expected that the pagan sun worshippers of today should continue that ancient ritual of so long ago. Even today in Israel, God's chosen and holy people, above all races and peoples in the world, 
the one holy people out of all the earth that God loves and protects his own personal chosen people. Even the chosen people of God are still worshiping Yahweh, Jehovah, the Son. You still have Moses meeting God with the Son. The Hebrews waiting for the Son to come up in Israel. You have the rabbis, Israel, Son worship. The more we change, the more we stay the same. Ancient Israel, modern-day Israel, the same old sun worship. Nothing holy in Israel whatsoever because there is nothing holy in the Holy Land. The only thing holy in the Holy Land are the stories. They're full of holes. There's nothing holy in Salt Lake City. There's nothing holy in Rome. There's nothing holy in Constantinople. There is nothing holy in Israel. There is nothing holy on the earth but sun worship. Worship of the sun. What about Christianity? They have the truth. No, it's still the old sun worship with the raised hands. Here is a statue of St. Francis of Assisi. And it says, the, the statue is called the Hymn to the Sun. Here is a Catholic monk, St. Francis of Assisi, with a hymn to the sun. And where is he looking? Up into the heavens where God's Son is in heaven. That's why I said, if you think when you die, you're going to go to heaven with God's Son, you better go back and do your homework because you don't have it yet. The S-U-N is in heaven, not you. You're talking about God's Son, S-U-N, with his hands raised as a hymn to the Son. Here in the Vatican, the, the article says a mosaic in the Vatican showing Irish monks raising their hands in the ancient Egyptian manner of paying homage to the Son. This is in St. Peter's Basilica, Catholic, Catholic priests, and the Catholic monks are showing what they're doing. They're raising their hands and praising. And the second one has his hands closed in prayer, while the first one is raising his hands, obviously to worship in the Vatican, God's Son, S-U-N, the light of the world. Here is another stone, uh, another uh, picture from a church, stained glass window. You see the prophet is, uh, the, the saint is looking up, and what is he looking at if it's not the S-U-N? And he has his hands raised. Obviously, the other two beside him are praying with their hands, and he is leading the prayer to God's Son. Hands raised, praising the Lord. Praising the King, Easter sunrise service, sunrise, sun worship, sun worship, day of celebrating, a day of prayer, with hands raised to the east rising of the sun. Here's a Bible, the front of the Bible shows the, the monk 
with his hands raised toward what? The sun. Church of Christ group, sun worship. Here's Reverend Airhead Dingbat, and Reverend Dingbat's on the stage making millions of dollars a year, leading all of the people astray to worship the sun. The Reverend is leading people to worship the sun. With his outstretched arms, everyone follows the leader. Everyone is worshiping the sun, even the dogs. Sun worship all over Christianity. Here are guys who are obviously uh, beautiful Christians <clears throat> with their baseball cap turned backwards and broken teeth and earrings, ranting and screaming their praises to God's Son, the light of the world. No wonder the world is in the trouble we're in today. The whole world is lying in the power of the wicked one. The whole world has been led into sun worship. God's son. Even chipmunks are serving God. Make sure you get the children indoctrinated with their sun worshiping. Everyone's into sun worship. Everyone loves God's son, including the pussycat. Including the old praying mantis. Everyone worships God's Son. It's actually disgusting and demoralizing to see how many people around the world, the church, both Catholic and Protestant, have misled the world of mankind into sun worship. There is a stained glass window of the church and you'll see all the people out with their hands raised and the sun behind them rising. Sun worship in the Catholic Church. Even the birds. Make sure you get the babies ready for the church. Send in your checks and your money and give the church your home and give the church your life, your breath, your blood. Give everything that you own to the church and teach your children to prepare themselves for a life of sun worship. My God and my Lord, what has the church done to this world? Let everything that breathes praise the Lord on Sunday, worshiping the sun. I can understand here is a baboon with his pee-pee hanging out worshiping the sun. A baboon worshiping the sun. Here's more baboons worshiping the sun. See the connection? Sun worship. Baboons. Sun worship. Sun worship. Sunday worship. Raised hands worshiping the sun. Even the praying mantis worshiping the sun. Everywhere in the world, Christians are being led into sun worship and teaching their children to get ready to bow down to the sun gods. Just as the Egyptians bowed down to the sun gods, teach your children to get ready with their raised hands to worship the sun. Here's one poor goofball who was worshiping the sun 
and fell backwards on the ground. He was overtaken by his love for God's Son. Son worship, Jesus pictured as the Son. It's as ancient as India, Africa, Egypt. It's all over the world. People are being led by the church into thinking that they're worshiping God's Son. No, actually it's S-U-N, not S-O-N. So get off your knees and stop praying to God's Son and realize that the church is worshiping and presenting for you to worship the Son. Better wake up. Because somewhere along the line, you're going to awaken to find out that you have been praying to the wrong God. You're praying to a pagan sun god. And the church, both Catholic and Protestant, Eastern Orthodox, Russian, all of Christianity has misled the human race into sun worship. Better wake up. This is Jordan Maxwell. Thank you for listening.